Welcome to the Rebel. No. <laughs> <laughs> Go again. I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> really, the dream team over here, Ned and Sarah, rocking out the Rebel and Create podcast. This one's going to look wicked different than others because my lovely, beautiful wife is on here. Together, we interviewed Kalina Amochustegi and talked about her book five-hour school week and I think that both of us have been talking about our kids schooling the past year or two and now with COVID-19 it's even more in our face yeah yeah I think the last couple years I've been you've always talked about homeschooling and kind of throwing it out there as a joke yeah that I should do it if if you bite (laughs) on the line that I'm not joking maybe you'll homeschool and That'll be great because you want to be with our kids 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But that's also because I go have, you know, go out to a job that puts me away from them a lot. So what are some of the things that stuck out to you from our interview with Kalina? I think there's been two things holding me back from ever even thinking about homeschooling. One, um, I did not feel like I was equipped enough Mm. and not that I wasn't smart enough, but I just... I don't know what the standards are. I don't know what they are, quote unquote, supposed to know to go to college, to get into college, or to go on to careers if they don't go to college. And I just didn't feel equipped enough. I had I didn't know where to start, and I didn't have the desire to start um, because the second reason was I just I wanted them to go to school. I needed the break. We had five kids in yeah. six years. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot, a lot of little kids, and one at a time would go until the twins went, and then two at a time. And by the time Stella started, by then I felt like, whoa, a little floundery. I started volunteering more at the school, and then I was at the school all the time. Yeah. And so now I always thought I needed the break from them. So now, over the past couple weeks with them being home, I realized... Maybe I don't need them to go to school to get the break from them because I, we, not I, we had so little time with them in the evenings after all their other obligations and extracurriculars that I was always, my interaction with them was, okay, do your chores. Okay, have you done this? Have you done that? All their responsibilities, all the things I needed to check off the list that they needed to do. So I just felt like a nag. Yeah, and you, I was just going to say, and you say that now you don't feel that way as much because it's not just always game on when you're around them. Right. Now I feel pretty free to ask them to do things and I don't feel guilty. I felt guilty all the time having them do things. So then I did everything because they're at school, they're at soccer, they're at gymnastics. All the time they're at things. So they have this precious little time at home. So I didn't want to ask them to do all this stuff. Yeah. So then I'm always doing it for them. And then you're always getting on my case for doing it for them. Like so, cleaning up after them if you've asked them to do Like it and after stuff dinner like yeah. and stuff like that. Or, okay, Presley specifically, her shoes are all over. So I start just picking them up and throwing them in a room or... Because I've asked so many times that I don't want them to view me as the nag. Yeah. So then before we get into this interview, I don't think you and I have made any decisions about what we're doing with our kids schooling. But no, but I feel a table. lot more free. No, I, I, I don't. Nothing's on the table. 
I don't oh, okay. like to make make okay. plans yeah. <laughs> like I'm you the do. Planner, you're not. So nothing's on the table, but anything's possible. Yeah. <laughs> there <laughs> Is you that go. The same thing. <laughs> no, it's not in my mind. Okay. okay. <laughs> Well, cool. I think this interview that we had with Kalina is really helpful as parents are thinking through their kids' schooling. So I hope you enjoy it and check out her book. It's a great read. And the audiobook is dope too because it's her reading it. So I think you get the passion and behind it. Her and her husband wrote it together. Correct. Her and Kalina and Aaron. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much and enjoy this conversation around parenting and fatherhood. Welcome to another episode of Fatherhood Field Notes. I am super excited about today because today's episode is very different. I'd like to welcome Kalina, the author of Five Hour School Week. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being on. And my wife, Sarah, is on the podcast and we are going to talk about rethinking schooling. So I'm excited about this. Hello, hello. <laughs> and so you and your husband wrote the book, correct? Yep, we sure did. About... I guess a little over a year and a half ago. Oh, wow. That's more recent than I, than I realized. That is incredible. Okay, so cool. We are going to get into that. But before we do, let's hear a little bit more about you. So how long have you and Aaron been married? We have been married for almost 14 years. Yeah, 14 years and four babies. Yeah, and how old are your, your four kiddos? So I have three girls, ages 12, 10, and 9. And then we took a little bit of a break because it got crazy. And then I got a little boy who's now four. That's awesome. So we're similar. We have a 14-year-old daughter, a 11-year-old daughter, then twins, boy and girl, that are 10. They were a surprise. They're only 13 months younger than <laughs> yeah. Violet. <laughs> and then we took a tiny break, and then we shot for another boy, and then we had a fourth girl. That's Stella. She is seven. <laughs> oh, yep. so, you're, so you're four girls and a boy. Yeah. Yep. Wow. That's amazing. And we'll be married 16 years this July. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very similar. Yeah. Awesome. Similar, similar stages. So fun. So, um, and where do you guys live now? We are just currently in Austin, Texas. Okay. But based on your book, it sounds like that's probably more of a home base and you kind of live lots of places? Yes. We're kind of all over the place, especially since starting homeschooling um, a little over four and a half years ago. We, For the first two years, we would really spend about two weeks home and then three weeks away. And that was our California home at that time. And so we were really taking the kids everywhere. We spent a bunch of time in Cuba. Um, we, we were going on multiple trips to Haiti because we found a foundation out there that we loved. We spent a lot of time in Hawaii. Um, and so we were traveling a lot uh, before just recently. So in fact, right as this was all breaking out, we were in Maui. So nice. I love that, that like when I feel like when people hear those places, they're going to kind of operate in a little bit of fear. Like, was that safe for you to take your little kids there? And, you know, we, we have dreams of traveling. We've started to travel a little bit more now and we get those questions too. Like, wow, I can't believe you do that with all the kids. Yeah, I think that the places that scare me and make me the most uncomfortable are the ones that I like forge forward with first. Like Cuba was our first out of country experience. Mm. And we stayed in like an Airbnb on like mattresses in the middle of Havana, like very <sighs> cultural. Here we are. Brax wasn't even a year old. And 
to this day, we still talk about that trip every single week. So That's awesome. they, even though like you can stay back because of fear, you like mm-hmm. if you forge forward, oh my goodness, you make the best memories. And then you kind of, it squelches the fear maybe. And yeah. then you have more courage to do more places. No, just anywhere, really nothing mm-hmm. limits. If you're smart and you do the research and mm-hmm. you know, you just take the time to do it correctly. Like nothing mm-hmm. is off limits just because you have kids. Right. And I love that setting this conversation up for nothing is off limits, right? There's so much that's decided for us. And I think that as we talk about, you're going to hear homeschooling a lot. We're going to talk about just rethinking school. So as a parent, my hope is that after this conversation, you just make the decision. Like if my kid goes to school or alternative school or homeschooling, that you're the one making the decision and not letting somebody else make it for you. And that's really what led to this conversation is we have five kids in three different schools right now. I wouldn't say that we're in love with any of them. And so we've been in the process of rethinking school already, reading your book, talking about it. Um, And then now with COVID-19, we're in this space in our world where we're in a reset if a lot of people look at it that way. And so we have the opportunity to rethink kind of all aspects of our life. So as parents are at home thinking about, okay, now I see what my kids' schoolwork is. I see it either pushes them or it doesn't or how much busy work it is. I mean, we got a lot of paperwork for some of our kids. Stella. Uh, Stella's in first grade. And I counted the pages that were emailed last week and it was 54 pages. Oh my goodness. For one week. We're not doing it all. But (laughs) her teacher, let me say, I love her teacher. She's doing the best she can, but she's also within the school system and has certain expectations and guidelines that she has to follow. And they were thrown in this also. So she's there. I will say they're being very flexible with what we do and what we don't do and ways we do it because I... I'm a little rebellious and I refuse to do that. (laughs) So with that in mind, like we had, we had questions. A lot of parents are hopefully starting to ask them some questions now, you know, five, five and a half years ago, as you guys are starting to talk about homeschool and and what you wanted to do, what were the questions you guys were asking yourselves, which questions were helpful that might help us parents ask the similar questions? Yeah. I think that's such a great question, especially now. Um, You know, for me, it really just came down to in the beginning about quality of life. Honestly, I remember this huge aha moment, like looking at Aaron and just being like, the kids are getting the best of them and I am getting the leftovers every single day. I am dropping them off tired and discontent and stressed out to be going. And then I'm picking them up exhausted and stressed out about the night ahead because we had homework and, you know, extracurriculars and all the things. And um, parenting just was not feeling the way that I had like dreamed that parenting was going to feel. And so initially it was always about quality of life. Like my kids went to an incredible Christian school. I loved the administration. I did not love the curriculum, but I made excuses because I was like, these are great people and great families. And this is like what pros we, and cons, pros and cons. And mm-hmm. it's just what we do right? Like it's just our kids go to preschool and then they go into kindergarten and you just kind of go through the system and it's what we do. It's what I did. It's what my parents did. So you just do it. Um, I was, my husband and I are entrepreneurs and we were living this four hour work week. We were like focused and 
like we weren't wasting our time. Everything that we were doing, it was very intentional. It was because we wanted to do it. It was because it was adding value or financial gain or something, right? Like everything that we did had a very specific purpose. And then I was dropping my three kids off at school for eight hours and they had no purpose. And it just felt like it went against everything that I believed in then. Like every belief that I had just kind of shifted in in a very quick moment. And so um, we just started asking ourselves like, okay, so what do we want our kids to know? Like what is important? Like how about emotional intelligence? This stuff that I'm grappling with at 30, right? Like knowing myself and having self-awareness and understanding what my ego is and truly understanding what forgiveness is. Like all these really big things that are important that I'm just now kind of tackling. Why don't my kids know that? What about financial literacy? Like why are kids coming out of college and not understanding what these student loans are? Why are kids getting degrees that are six figures when they can't even use them when they leave college? You know, my husband owns a business and so we would have employees and he would be like, these kids have amazing degrees. They can't answer questions independently. Like it was all just feeling very confusing. Like why are we using this system if it's not working, right? So and, then, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. So then we, so then we just kind of transformed what we were doing in our work life into their school life. So then practically, okay, you have four kids, yeah. right? You have, oh, well, at the time you had three kids, I, I guess. Three in school. And, right. and you have, you have a job. He has a job. Um, you made comments that, you know, you've got away from your own workaholic habits of just liking to be <laughs> productive and work. Like I can hear it. It's in your voice, right? You like that intentionality of let's make the most of the day. So how do you carve out like right now, practically, we're going to go to coffee right now. We're going to wake up a little earlier. Like we're going to go sit and talk about this and, and it's not going to be resolved in one conversation, you know, like how long did this take you? And and how did you practically get out of your daily grind to converse about it as a couple? Um, I think it took about 18 months of just complete surrender, honestly, for me. It just took this, like, you're not actually happy doing this thing. Like, you're not actually happy running this brokerage. You're not actually happy being a boss. That's not fulfilling you. And, like, you can, like, it was me realizing I didn't have to have a standard job. Like, I could help support and I could encourage people and parents in the same position that I was in and kind of give myself purpose within the ultimate purpose of just raising my kids, which like, I, I think sometimes we don't give ourselves enough credit for what that actually means and what that job is in itself. And we feel pushed to be more, be greater and like have like more accolades, which makes us feel good. And I'm not against that. Like I'm all about like be your best self and have a purpose and have that drive, but like also like raise incredible people who have that same purpose and that same drive, like mm-hmm. bring them along with you is kind of, is kind of more my goal. Yeah. So during that 18 months, did you and Aaron have a standing coffee date where you talked about this or was it more like you're falling asleep in bed and you talk about it for 10 minutes and then the other day and then the next day? Cause it I'm the scheduler like, and it, she is it not. It would be more like I would be laying in bed and I would be like, Oh, it was another day I didn't connect with Madeline. It was another day I didn't connect with the kids or, oh my God, I'm so frustrated by this homework or I'm so frustrated with this. And it would be Aaron going, just start homeschooling them. Just start homeschooling them. 
you've got this. Like, I think like you can just do it. Like it'll be like, we'll work it out. Right. Say yes, figure it out later. We're not going to lose that much time. Like just do it because we had had a couple of experiments. Like we had gone to like, I talk about it in my book. We go to Yosemite and we have two weeks there. And so like I'd had some experience, we did a couple of trips like that. And so by the time I did it, I knew that I was capable. It was just the fear of pulling the trigger. And so it was really me wasting. I wasted a lot of time because Aaron was very ready. He's like, we'll figure this out. Like it'll work out. Um, and he was right. It did. It was really, really messy in the beginning, Mm -hmm. but you, you just figure it out. You pivot and you go like, Oh, that does not work for us. Like maybe that'll work for some family. Like I thought I was going to do like, um, K through 12, which is this online standardized, like government run program. Cause I'm like, Oh, it's easy. It'll keep them up to date. They'll get all the things they're supposed to. Mm -hmm. But then I'm like, oh, wait, this is just working for the school again. I'm Now I'm going to give the worst to my kids. That's not right. what I want either. Which and so, is probably what a lot of parents are going through right now. Exactly what they're going through right now. Mm-hmm. Right. And I didn't want to bring the home, the school into my home. Like, right. I wanted to bring a totally different learning style into my home. And that just took time. Yeah. But, so oh, go ahead. Sorry, that kind of feeds into maybe a question we had later that I brought up of how did you figure out then... Because even though you homeschool, you still have to have certain maybe standards or how do they get like passed on to the next grade through the state or all of those things? Like, how do you keep up with those and make sure you're not that I'm not worried about making sure they learn what they need to learn, because I don't think that I don't think the state really knows what they need to learn. (laughs) But how do you get it to where it's to the state standards and they can have a degree at the end of this? Right. So each state has different standards right now. And so the most important thing is to figure out what your state standards are. Like right now I'm in Texas. Mm -hmm. They have a sentence that just states, we entrust the parents to educate their children in the way that they see fit. I doubt California is like that. California is not as strict as you think. Really? Yeah. Yet. And so, and I would pay, so go on to hslda.org and they have all the state guidelines. Um, but right now it's like, uh, you can either become an independent school, which is what we were. We were just a private school. We, um, filed a piece of paper with the state of California saying we were choosing to homeschool our kids. We were opting out of standardized testing and we would take it from here. The, as a right, they had a, um, they had a right to come into our house, like knock on our door and say like, are you educating your kids? Um, which at that time I could say like, right now you can't come into my house, right? Like I have rights. So just know what your rights are when you start your journey. Um, or you can sign up with charter schools and get support and they have stipends to actually help you pay for your extracurriculars. And I don't, and I'm not against those either. I think that those can be very helpful. They offer a lot of support and the financial basis that a lot of families need. And his so, brother and our sister-in-law, they do that in Grass yeah. Valley. Mm-hmm. And so, it, and every, like every single state and really every single charter and program is different. And even some of the most strict states like New York, um, I know unschoolers there that have found a way to satisfy those math requirements through baking and cooking and science mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And so there's ways to kind of you know, you can get innovative and you can get really yeah. creative in make, making those standards. How much of your time is spent on doing that kind of thing? On actual work, like academic? No, like like the, like the doing it all correctly and getting the curriculum, like getting all that and making sure you're doing it right with the state. Is a lot of your time spent on that or is it not as much work as people would think? 
I spend like zero time. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't, I don't like, I have like, we have programs. We have like programs that we like using. My kids have online classes or curriculum they've chosen that they really like. And so I have those records and I keep a little folder of all the work they complete, but I mm-hmm. really, the kids choose most of their stuff at this point. And so I do very, very little. So then uh, I was just going to say, that's good to know. I feel like pe- parents don't know that stuff. I didn't know you could opt out of standardized testing. I had no idea. And um, to know that you have, you can have the authority. You don't have to have like someone you check in with every week that looks at all of their work and make sure they're doing it. Like that's what I view it as. That's what I thought it was. No, you can definitely, you won't get the stipend from the state, but you can just sign. I can actually send you the link. That's just, it's a piece of paper. And you say, this is the name of my private school. These are the students that are going to be attending it. And I love that there's options for all different fields of what parents want to do, that they can be in control of this easier than they think. Yes. In most states, that's true. And I just hope it stays that way. Mm -hmm. So at the end of your guys's questions and you came to this 18 months, what was the final answer that you had was, you know, that we want to homeschool so that we can travel or so that we have more time at home or what was kind of like that final answer you had for your family? You know, it was, I went in, for parent-teacher conferences, and I heard like how amazing my kids is, are and what impeccable grades they had and what great citizens they were, and I didn't actually know who my kids were. And I walked out after parent-teacher conferences, and it was it was honestly all of it. It was like, I don't necessarily believe that grades tell me who my kids are. It's I'm not happy having my kids away from me all day long. It's I think that there's more that my kids could be learning right now with me and we want to travel the world and expose them to all of these different things. And you're kind of standing in my way. And so it was, it was kind of all of that after like a lot of soul searching and fear and all of that, just being like, no, I can do this. I'm capable. And it, this is like what's right for our family, like regardless of what anyone thinks. Mm-hmm. So instead of choosing an alternative school, because there's you know several alternative schooling options out there, you chose the homeschooling method because the freedom to travel or something else? Just the freedom. I I really wanted freedom over all of it, especially in the beginning. And I have always told the girls, like, we can explore other options. There's amazing alternative schools out there. I mean, I want to make it really clear. My ultimate message is not anti-school. My message is really what is best for your children and what is best for your family. Mm-hmm. And like the public school system really isn't the best for most families. Um, they just don't know that they have other choices. Right. I think right. is what the problem is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's really what we're hoping to, I mean, obviously for ourselves, but then all for all the rebel and create listeners is just to know that it's okay to stop and think about it. And as a parent, it's your decision to make. So at least be the one to make it. Uh, instead of just doing what everybody does. Yeah. I think it's about knowing that you have options, knowing what those choices are. Like do, I had never heard of unschooling. I had never heard of world schooling. Like these were concepts that were completely unknown to me. And when I started researching and reading books like free to learn and, you know, dumbing us down and you go, what? Like people have known this entire time that there's other ways to learn. I kind of felt lied to. I was like, oh my goodness, I could have been doing all of this cool stuff with my kids. So I yeah, it's also important for parents to realize that 
it's okay if you choose to try something and you realize that it's that that way isn't for you. you. It's not that it's not the end of the world. And it's not a waste of time because you were learning. You learned more about yourself. You learned more about your kids and your family. And we tried this route and it wasn't for us. It's not, doesn't have to be so much pressure of making the right decision. Right. In fact, I think it should be the opposite. Like I think there should be very little pressure. I think that it's supposed Mm. to be passionate. I think it's supposed to be led by our kids. And so Mm -hmm. like when we let them take the lead, there shouldn't be a lot of pressure on you, honestly. Mm -hmm. It's just about trusting them to do what they know how to do. Honestly, they know how to do so much more than we think. Oh, yeah. Like I've learned just through this, their self direction is pretty amazing. Like Stella needs me, but the other kids hardly need me at all. Yeah. <laughs> other than yeah. to help them if they want like a baking challenge or things like that. But they're they're very capable. How do you combat the nostalgia piece? I know you talk about you and Aaron having it as far as like, my high school is fun. Your high school is fun. Uh, how do you combat that with your kids? It was really, really rough the first year, I would say. There was a lot of like, we would see online friends doing like daddy-daughter dances. And that was something we had participated in years before. Mm-hmm. So that was difficult. And so there were some things like field trips or just those things that you get used to kind of doing that you think make up your childhood. Right. Because it's what you know, right? Jogathons, field days. Right. Jogathons, field days. What happens after time, and I don't want to be misleading because it does take time to find your new normal. It You find what kind of replaces that stuff. And there are, and it does, it just naturally happens over time that you find the things that you get excited about instead of those things. And they also have, like, we go to homeschool conferences that for high schoolers, they have prom, you know, during the conference and they have debates for the older kids so that they get that, like, that feeling and the mm-hmm. spelling ease. And really anything that you think you're going to miss from that school experience, you can emulate it in some way in your homeschool experience. Mm-hmm. So, okay. so I have a question about it. So like you say that and I might go, oh my gosh, that sounds like the most awkward conference ever. And mm-hmm. I knew a home homeschool kids in high school. And right. So, so as people are listening, I don't want them to shut off because like, I've seen the videos of you and your kids. I've seen like your son has a mohawk right now. <laughs> and right. So, mm-hmm. so it's, I think that there is this perception, which is, I think probably a lot of why you wrote your book is to also just go after that perception that it's, only the highly religious um, the style stereotypical, right. right? So like when your kids go to a conference like this or you've been to things like this, what's it like? Yeah. What's the, what's the vibe like? I mean, it's about 50, 50. I mean, a lot of, here's the thing. Homeschooling is changing a lot right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the last two years, I think it's grown like by 20% or something. Wow. Outstanding, like some crazy number. And so you just go, Number one, it's a lot of entrepreneurs because they have the flexibilities in their lifestyle, like the same way that you and I do. And so it's a lot of people like us. It's also, and and maybe we're also just becoming a little bit weirder, honestly. Like it's also mm-hmm. the crazy dyed hair and the dreadlocks and, you know, they play the crazy guitars and, but they're talented and they're like free and it looks a lot different than a school. And even though it makes me a little bit uncomfortable, some like, honestly, it does because it's so different. It's also exactly what we needed because of I, how different it is. It's stretching you. Yeah. Just I love that answer. That. 
Yeah. I love the fifth that it's 50 50. Like that's just so honest to say, Hey, this is a changing place. And with any group of people, there's the ones who might taint it or not. And so you can be a, come a part of something and make it what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my, I think that that's my primary message always is like, you can walk in here. Like people ask me all the time, are you a homeschooler? Are you a world schooler? Like what programs do you use? And I'm, I always say I am all of it. Like I literally cherry pick, like we world school, I unschool, we're self-directed learners. I have focused, you know, five hour school week is a focused, intentional hour of academics, like on a computer program or with worksheets or whatever. So I think it's about picking and choosing the styles and the philosophies that work for you individually. And yeah. and there is no one way. There's no, mm-hmm. it's like there's no right way or one way to be a parent. There's no right way or one way to educate your kid. That's a good statement. Which, it's such a good statement because we're so judgmental to, to how people do it. We're like, oh, if you're a homeschooler, I've got you in this narrow bucket. If mm-hmm. you're uh, this, I got you in this narrow bucket. But you could be in like five different buckets. Don't put me in just one. So which leads me to our next question is, how do you keep connected with important people? Maybe that are important to you, family, friends, um, now that you're living this weird life, you know? And then do you find yourself well, a lot of those relationships are gone and we only find ourselves hanging out with people who are doing similar styles as us. So again, I think it's about 50, 50. I think when you choose to educate this way, you can make people really uncomfortable. I'm going to get some of your like listeners are very uncomfortable with what I'm talking about. Right. Because Mm -hmm. I think it kind of opens up Pandora's box a little bit. Like if you're going to, um, educate your kid in this totally different way. That's different than how you are educated and how I'm educating my kid and how I was educated. Then are you questioning the type of person I am? Are you questioning the right. type of parent so I am? Like, like a personal or something. Right. Like it beca- it's a very personal topic, I think. And so I, so there are a lot of people that were in our life that aren't anymore. And it makes us really sad. Um, but at the same time, like I just have to understand that like we're not on similar journeys we've made so many new friends on this journey that I'm like, Oh my goodness. If like without their support, I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, and then we still have about 50% of people from schools that we hang out with. In fact, it being like COVID schooling right now and nobody being in school, like my kids are on FaceTime a hundred percent of the day. I swear to God, <laughs> they're just walking around talking to a friend on their phone all day. And mm-hmm. so I think uh, my kids, I don't know how all kids do, but my kids do really good staying at touch with children. They take online classes through like out school that has a bunch of kids in it and they get their information, you know, and they stay in touch and email each other drama classes. I mean, there's a million ways for kids to be like social, which I know is Mm -hmm. a big concern. So um, that isn't really a problem for us. I just, I've been really intentional about it. That brought up a question that I had is, like one of our daughters loves to be working in a group. One loves to be working with her friends on stuff. Some of the classes or curriculum that you do, is there room for, you know, they make friends with other kids who are doing that and they're FaceTiming doing work together? Yeah, all the time. My oldest, especially as they get older, I feel um, they become more self-directed and more independent in doing stuff like that. Like Maddie really stretches herself to 
find projects and groups of people that are doing stuff. She's in group devotions and Bible studies online with people. She's um, collaborating on these YouTube videos for American Girl dolls and photo contests with people because that's what she loves to do. She's um, building a website right now with a group of people in an entrepreneur group that she belongs to. So like, yes, there's always like there's tons of opportunity for that for sure. Especially in the world we're living in. Yeah. I was just going to say, you find these groups through different um, schooling. Through yeah, different, different communities, different mm-hmm. extracurriculars. Um, you know, the, like, um, in fact, where you guys live, like McLaughlin Theater is a great little, McLa- like, is a great little um, theater, like drama theater. Mm-hmm. And theater always has a ton of drama or homeschool kids. Mm-hmm. Daddy stays in touch with all of them and they do um, improv online. And so, yeah, there's just so many different places. There are mm-hmm. groups that they get together. Mm-hmm. So. When, uh, in your book, you were talking about how, and I think you kind of touched on it a little bit about how there's this stigma of, well, how are your kids going to be socialized then if they don't go to school? And I was talking to Ned and thinking like, trying to think through the years of so- socialization our kids have gotten in school and it hasn't been super positive. Mm-hmm. It's been filled with drama. Um, there's been bullying. There's been, which not that those things can't happen in the homeschool atmosphere. They can, but I guess I would argue that is school really the best way to socialize your kids? In most people's experience, it's not. It's mm-hmm. that's always the strangest <laughs> argument to me. Because yeah. I don't know very many people that have had a great experience lately, right? I understand that. I think so much of school is really about the tradition of it because it's our memories. And mm-hmm. I think I think that it's that and it's convenience. Unfortunately, a lot of parents don't have the capabilities of having a parent at home. And it's hard to figure out that flow of homeschooling when both parents have to work. So I think it's either... It's two things. It's either you just believe in the traditional school system because it's where you grew up and you don't know anything different, or you just don't have any other choice, I think is why people make that choice. I'd Mm. say I've been a stay-at-home mom since we had Brooklyn, our first. And for me, it was A, um, choosing the traditional school route because that's what you did. And that's all you knew. And that, that was the option. And I would say I'm not in that place now, but then I couldn't wait. I had a, I had five kids in six years. I couldn't wait for them to go somewhere else yes. for a few hours a day to where I could have time with the others at home or time to myself. Like once Stella started school, kindergarten, I was like, I kind of actually floundered. I thought it was going to be a lot better than it was. I felt really floundery the first year. Like, what do I do with myself? What is my purpose now? And Like, and I get the number one question I get is, what do you do now? And I'm like, well, there's still plenty to do. (laughs) Yes. there's always. So I would say my experience has been, that was what I wanted out of it. And now I'm kind of looking at things differently and wanting more time with them. But it's also really important to that self-care piece and mm-hmm. like staying true to who you are and what you want mm-hmm. and having an individual purpose on your homeschool journey, I think is one of the most important things, especially if the mom, the mom or the dad, whoever's going to be the main uh, guide or facilitator or teacher, whatever you want to call it, like that person needs to have a full bucket because you can't pour from an empty one. Right. And so I just think that it's really, really important that you're building in time and you're putting your priorities, you know, you're taking care of your priorities as well. 
Do you find it hard to, now that you do this, to find time for yourself? Or do you have a specific time carved out for yourself? Or um... Um, So I'm an early riser and that's where I really carve out time for myself is I have like good morning time or big like miracle morning, uh, Hal Elrod, like that's something that we do. Mm -hmm. Like we write in the morning and we read and we meditate. And so like I start my day like that Um, and I work out every day, but I take because the kids are so self-directed, I really am finding time in the day to read and to stay caught up in stuff. And so my youngest, who's it's obviously going to be harder if you have younger kids. I always talk about self-directed being so easy, but that's really like when your kid is like seven or eight and above. When you're still working with littles, like, no, you don't have a lot of time to yourself. Right. Like, because they have to learn how to self-direct. Mm-hmm. No, focus on this for a little while. Let's do this thing and then walk away, sneak away, right? And see how long they'll stay there and do that. Mm -hmm. So there is like a training process of self-direction. No, but we make, everybody knows that I need it. Like we have very open conversations. Like I treat you with respect and I make space for what's important for you. And so I need you to make space for what's important for me. Like that's how a family works. Mm -hmm. So we just talk about it a lot. Do you have a set family meeting time or is it just kind of now the standard throughout the day? So we talk all throughout the day. I do about, uh, about an hour and a half to two hours of like sitting with them, doing out loud reading, watching over their hour of um, curriculum or whatever they're doing. So there's like two hours during the day where I'm just with all of them without my phone, just doing that, like just Very focused. in the moment, focusing and learning and being together and having conversation. Maybe we're just talking about what they saw in the news this morning. Maybe they're talking about what we read about in our devotion this morning. Uh, maybe we read three chapters of Harry Potter instead of did anything else this morning. Like I, you know, it's literally like that. Um, and then every Sunday we have a recap, like this is what we're going to learn in the following week. What's important to you? This is, you know, I have this podcast, I have that. So is that at a certain time on Sundays? It's usually just after dinner. We're just sitting, I have whiteboards and I'm washing off the whiteboards. I'm loading up the supplement boxes and I'm going like, okay, Maddie, what do you want to learn this week? What online classes do you have? What materials do you need for that? So, so I can wrap my head around like, oh, they've got drama. They've got, you know, Nothing sneaks up on you. Whatever, right. Like just mm-hmm. to have like a, a loose plan, like a mm-hmm. Okay. So then to, to deviate from this for a second, uh, question I had is, are there certain top, like clearly either the dad or the mom could be the lead guide. Like you said, in your situation, you are the lead guide. Um, so are there certain topics that Aaron does teach or cover certain things he does and then certain things you do or... Yeah. I mean, Erin helps me a lot with math and science because that's not really where I felt like I excelled in school with those topics. And Erin did. And I have a 10 year old who is very science brained and she's probably already surpassed me. (laughs) So, um, so Erin helps there, but with that being said, we actually don't help that much. I mean, all the answers are there and they can really find them. And so it's really just supporting them to find how are you going to find the answer? Which way are you going to take to get there? Like, what are your options? So um, you don't have like, a, like, Aaron doesn't have like some topics that he really wants to teach them or direct them. Like, I feel like you would, you would be in the entrepreneurial or financial or things like that. Like you'd 
Like we're here, for instance, and each of the kids has to pick. This is his direction. We're in Hawaii right now, which we didn't say, but okay, we're we're in Hawaii. Hawaii. And quarantine. um, He wants to have each of them pick a topic about Hawaii that they're going to do like a report on for us. And that's like his, what he wants them to do. Yeah. Yeah. I usually do most of that stuff. Like I'll come up with an idea now more than ever. So I did that in the beginning. I said all the time, like, let's pick an animal report, Mm -hmm. right? Because they didn't know, I would say, what do you want to learn? And they'd look at me like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Been told what to learn for the last seven mm-hmm. years. Why would you ask us that? So I had to start slowly with like, hey, start with this sort of a report or what about mm-hmm. this kind of an animal or whatever. And so that's how I started. And then they started deviating and going, well, mom, could I do this instead? Well, what about if I wrote about this instead? Or what about if I, you know, whatever. And so I just said, yeah. Like I was going to say that it's always yes. Yes. Whatever they wanted to do, I just followed that. Yes. Learn about that. Yes. Do that. There was nine months when my middle child did not pick up a book, which would terrify most parents. But like after coming out of school, she really had like a little bit of like trauma from it. Like she just felt like she wasn't capable and she was stupid. And every time she would pick up a book, just looking at a book would make her cry. And I like, forget it, forget books. Let's not read books. It's pointless. Like whatever you want to do. And so we just did some online programs and she did a lot of art for nine months. And then one day she brought me a book and she goes, I'm really ready to start learning how to read now, mom. You know, and she was like eight and a half, nine years old. And I know that that scares parents, but now I have a 10 and a half year old who is like, a pat. Oh my gosh. She's a passionate reader. She devours mm-hmm. books. Like that's really cool. That's amazing. Right. And so it's just letting them lead, like give a little bit of freedom. And I promise like they're not, most of them will not take advantage of that. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's really, really good. So thinking about you and Aaron, what causes the biggest strain in your marriage with this lifestyle? Homeschooling. Um, it probably goes back to that self care. You know what? No, honestly, it's probably my husband has a really cool job. My my husband gets to do really cool stuff. Like he has his own podcast and he gets to talk to awesome adults and um I think sometimes it's just that um jealousy maybe a little bit. Like it's hard. That's why like building 5-hour school week is so important to me is I think for us it's um me finding my purpose is probably the biggest block in our like the biggest challenge for me. Yeah. And something I want to touch on too, is, like you're saying, and we talked about a little bit ago, like where do we get this mindset that being a, and I don't want to sound like this chauvinistic male, but that's being a stay-at-home mom isn't like an incredible job in and of itself, right. you right. know, and that that has so much purpose to it. And yeah, it's easier for me to say because I took a client out to $200 of sushi today and you had <laughs> peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So right. clearly- <laughs> And then I had sticky jelly all over the floor that I mopped yeah. up afterwards. Right. Yeah, it was 90% <laughs> of the time. Yeah. So clearly not the same. But I guess for if a parent chooses to do this, is like realizing that there is so much purpose in that piece. And I think what Aaron does a great job, why it works for me so much, I hear from homeschooling parents, homeschooling moms typically that are unfulfilled in homeschooling because they're just not being cheered on. Right. Mm. Like it really is. We just want to be appreciated. We just need like I do need like you're doing a great job, babe. Or like what a hard day that must have been. Right. Like I just need that. I do. And maybe it sounds silly, but like 
it, it means a lot. Like you're like, I need him and like, I cheer him on in his business. I think he's one of the most brilliant men around and I will tell anybody that. And I just need a little bit of that too. And like, it's just having that communication of like, oh, I need a little bit of appreciation or I need you to take the kids on a drive. Like he did that the other, like the other day during COVID. Cause I was like, oh my God, like how long is this going to last? Like, what are we doing? Um, cause this isn't homeschooling either. Like COVID, right. Cause we do a lot of field trips. We're out a lot. So this mm-hmm. is rough. And, um, and Aaron's like, I'll just take him for a drive. And so it's just that it's stepping in, it's open communication. It's being very honest about our needs. Which I think that can be true across the board for any marriage situation is it's almost like, you know, knowing each other's love language. Like that sounds like words of affirmation or knowing what each other needs that can be for whatever field of work or stay at home mom, or if both parents are working, that's just across the board, something that's important, I think. Yeah. Yeah, And for sure across the board, I mean, unfortunately the standard is that the moms really do so much and the dad could do one Mm -hmm. 20th of that and get a total pat on the back. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, Oh, Aaron took the kids for a drive. This guy's freaking super man. Yeah. You're so lucky. And Aaron, stud great job but right you're like well i i was in you know i was in the car with the kids for 10 hours this week going places and so my point in saying that is one i think dudes can step up a bit more and then also in general know what your spouse needs and verbalize that because i think that's just super important Mm -hmm. okay so go ahead sorry Oh, I was just going to say, and just find joy in the homeschool thing. Like it also just, I think that's the part where it's like, when we say like, oh, it's so hard or I needed Aaron's help. I just want to make sure I emphasize, but like also find joy because it is actually really fun. Like it's not all hard or I wouldn't do it. It's not all miserable or I wouldn't do it. Like it's 90, 85, 90% of the time is just awesome and amazing. It's just, I get tired like anyone else, you know, it's just a real For sure. So Last question about the marriage is how, how do do you allow or have Aaron speak into it since it's, you know, a lot your baby, but I know like I'm going to come home and I'm going to have an idea, but you've been doing this all day working. And so having that balance of like not stepping on your toes, but also having an input, like on the Sunday nights, is he a part of that conversation hearing you kind of talk about the week and stuff like that? And does he say anything in that? So I'm sure after four and a half years, there have been some moments where you've navigated that. Yes, absolutely. And he does speak into like the business and the entrepreneur, like he has a, um, a home office. And so he'll be like, Hey, from this time to this time, you guys can come do your work out in my office. Um, and because he runs a podcast, like the kids play with all of his equipment and there's been times when they've opened up all of his mail and sorted it and filed. And so he does bring them into like his work life. Uh, when we flip houses, he takes them onto the, you know, to the houses and they learn how to do like all the specs for like flipping a house. Mm-hmm. And so we talk about, so he is a huge part of that. Um, not a massive part though, because it really is like running his business is running his business and running five hour school week is running five hour school week. And so he is very cognizant of like, not stepping on my toes. And if he doesn't necessarily agree with what I'm doing, then we just have conversations about that. Or if he would like me to do something, then he talks to me directly about that. And so it's just, it's just that it's just open communication and an ebb and a flow. 
I mean, truly though, our curriculum, the kids pick more than we pick over, like over and over, like they speak more into what they want than I speak into that, you know, or Aaron. I think for us, if we were to do, do some similar model, I think that would be the hardest, hardest piece is for me to be very aware of just backing the heck off. You it's know? hard. Yeah, it's hard because we don't know. I mean, we think that parenting is, you know, leading, right? Like, and it is. Parenting is leading. And we think that leading means telling them what to do. And so it just mm, that's really good. mind shift of like, oh, but like we can lead them, like they can watch us live out our life and then they can find their purpose while witnessing that. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's working for us so far. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. All right, so I have two last questions and uh, we'll wrap it up. So, you know, many parents listening, um, they, they're in a reset and they may be considering, you know, their kids schooling, but they might not be in a position to homeschool because they're divorced, single parent, or they just have dual incomes. And there just isn't a way to say, you know what, we're going to sacrifice and you stay home. Like that just might not be on the table. So what are some important things, tools available that, that those parents could still say, okay, yeah, my kid goes to school from eight until two, Um, but I have the evenings and afternoons and and weekends. What are a few things that you think parents should be teaching their kids? It's their responsible responsibility to teach them. And what are some tools available? I just think it's really important to support your kids with like, honestly, I think emotional intelligence is the most important subject that is not taught honestly. And I think the earlier we teach it, the better. I think having self-confidence and self-awareness and understanding what vulnerability is and understanding what empathy is, is like how we send our kids out into the world prepared. I I really believe that because I believe that like reading and writing and math, like all of that's going to follow and all of that is available to them. But if they don't know who they truly are, then we're not doing our, I'm not doing my job properly is how I feel. And so we work a lot on growth mindset pieces. I mean, um, listening to healthy podcasts, big, they have big life journals. We journal back and forth. The amount of conversation that happens in our house around feelings and reactions and triggers. Like, I just think that if you have an opportunity to be with your kids and teach them something, like teach them like how to care for themselves, teach them how to love themselves, teach them how to love other people. Mm-hmm. Because I promise, like, they're going to learn algebra. Like, they're going to learn, like, chemistry, if that's important to them. The things that they need to do, the things that they want to do, like, they will learn that stuff. Um, and so that's, what, like, I start there. I start there. Erin and I put a big focus on, like, growth mindset, emotional intelligence, and financial literacy. Like, we talk, we just talk to them, like, this is what a credit card is. This is what it does. This is, what, like, look at our bills. Like, show mm-hmm. your kids your bills. I know that like money can be an uncomfortable conversation if you didn't grow up in a household like that. It is an important conversation that we're having with our kids Mm -hmm. is what money, how we earn it, what we do with it. Like that's such a gift to give your kids. So it is how to make big financial choices. You don't have to have a curriculum book. You don't have to have a fancy website. Like, Mm-hmm. Get on YouTube. There's a million amazing videos that'll teach it for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you're a parent and you are going, oh my gosh, well, I don't know about that. Well, then learn it with your kid. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you could learn it with mm-hmm. your kid. Yeah. And what better thing to show your kid, hey, if I'm, you know, 40 years old and I don't know how to do this thing, you just go figure it out. Yeah. Don't stick your head in the yeah. sand. 
figure it yeah, out. Yeah, that's every day. I tell my girls, this is what I'm working on right now. Mm. Mom is working on this area right now because they'll also hold me accountable. And I'll ask them, what are you working on right now? So I can hold you accountable. Like have that kind of a relationship where like everybody's working on someone and you get to cheer each other on and lift each other up. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. We started and I think it came out of uh, I get really frustrated paying taxes. It really frustrates me as an adult. And so we took that and with our kids, uh, they have family contrib- contributions weekly they have to do that are just because you're a part of a family. And then they have opportunity to to get money for certain chores. Out of that money, we've started making them um, pay taxes. They all put part of that money into a tax fund. And that was really birthed out of my hatred for paying taxes. My, yep. I really struggle with it. So teaching them younger what something that is just part of life that they have to do. And then at the end of the year, they all have to collectively choose something to spend the taxes money on. Oh, good. Um, And that I would say is birthed out of my, out of that, out of learning that together, that this is just something you have to do. We're having to do it. We're having to push through it. So you guys are going to push through it also. And it was funny when we told the kids, we're like, okay, everybody gets a raise now, $10 a week, but 20% goes to taxes. And this is what taxes are. It pay, helps pay for, for roads, schools, and fire you know, department, you know, kind of made like that. And, and I took a picture of them because two of them were like, you know what, that totally makes sense. I'm okay with that. And two were like, I don't think I should be having to pay for that. Like you could just see their political stances start to already shift yeah. at like seven to 10 years old. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty funny. So, so last question for you. Okay. Homeschooling or unschooling world schooling is definitely different than we're stuck at home because of COVID-19. But now that parents are in this world for the next, who knows how long? Well, you know, maybe the end of the school year. What are a couple of practical ideas that you would share that could help them as they're all finding themselves in the home together, um, working, doing school? Yeah, I think it's so important right now. It's hard to say though because there's so many different uh, there's so many different models out there at the moment. There are schools that are just sending home packs and packs of mm-hmm. homework. There's online. We have a private school back uh, where we used to live that's doing online school four or five hours a day. Um, So kids are like sitting in a desk watching school right now. Um, I'm getting emails from parents saying, oh, my God, my kids brought home four hours of worksheets a day. I don't know what to do. How do you hit seven subjects in a day? Um, I don't hit subjects. Mm -hmm seven subjects in a day. So just depending on where you're at, here's some things that I've been just trying to say to parents to comfort them. Uh, Number one, it's all up to you. Actually, you don't have to do anything that's being sent home like at all. Honestly, you can choose and you can say, I'm just going to opt out of this. Most schools are actually going to be closed. They are already putting out the mandates Mm -hmm. that most will be closed until summer, maybe use this time to see, like to teach your kids what you want them to learn or see what their best learning style is. Maybe get creative. If you're really unhappy with what the school has sent you, if you are feeling comfortable with what the school sent you, because 
it gives you that foundation and you need that, Mm -hmm. but you're feeling overwhelmed, um, break it up. This is what I say. I say, choose two or three subjects a day. So make Monday and Wednesday your math and history day or whatever, and just focus on all the math and history for the week on in those two days. And then do, you know, writing and language arts or what, however they break it up. Like don't try to do seven things in one day or five things in one day because your kids actually don't really learn. They can't comprehend that quickly. If you're mm-hmm. spending 10 minutes on one thing and being like, okay, never mind. Now we have to start this. They're not really taking any of it in. And it's not only frustrating you, it really is frustrating them. And so you can design it, like design something that fits, get creative, ask your kid, ask your kid what they want to do. I know that feels like really unnatural to a lot of parents, but it's okay to ask them like, how would you like to learn this? When is it, when is the best time of the day for you to learn this? What would you like to do? I mean, it's going to feel a little bit messy, but like, just follow that. I really am encouraging parents to follow it and see, because I think that they're going to see your kids are really creative. Your kids are really smart. They're super capable and they want to learn, but they want to learn on their terms. And so like, give them that freedom right now. Like now is your chance. Yeah, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Do you have any other last questions? Mm Mm-mm. Thank you so much, yeah, Colleen. I think that you. this has been really helpful for people to to dig into your world a little bit and, and the decisions that you as a family have made and, and that it's okay to challenge or rebel against the status quo and there's opportunity to really create whatever you want to out of it. Yeah, I really hope so. I just hope that parents know like this, there is a lot of silver lining here and mm-hmm. you know, you can enjoy your kids and you can learn right alongside them and it doesn't have to look the only way that you've known it to look right. Yeah. So good. All right. Thank you so much, everybody. Make sure to go pick up that uh, five hour school week book. You can get it on Amazon. uh, If this conversation intrigued you and this is your opportunity to really challenge um, the status quo for your family and at least just make the decision for yourself, what works best for your kids and for your family. What another great conversation. I so enjoyed having my wife Sarah on and talking to Kalina about her book, Five Hour School Week, as well as the incredible lifestyle she has created with her family. Really, they have rebelled against the status quo and created something that's right for them. And I hope you do the same. Who knows what we'll do, but we're digging into the questions of what is important to us and what's important to our kids and what do we want out of our children's education. And as parents, we need to dig in and think about that. And regardless of what you do, I hope that you know that your kids need you and that there's things that your kids need to learn from you. What's important to you? Or what are the things that you want to learn? Can you learn them alongside your kid? But take your kid's education into your own hands in the stance that you are involved, you know what's going on, and you're paying attention and having conversations with them. And I think that's the biggest thing we learned from this conversation is to build a relationship of honesty and trust and relational conversation with your kids. That is one of the greatest things that you can send your children out into the world with And you get to create that stability, especially as a dad. Super rad. So I just want to say thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Create Podcast. What you do matters. Please don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That's who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's continue to rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in the craft of fatherhood. Please take a minute 
rate this podcast, write a review, shoot a link of it to a friend, share it, share it on your Facebook, your Instagram. It helps to promote that fatherhood matters. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll talk to you next time. Thank you.